You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose. Blocked by Weger, who finds Anderson coming out of the box. He's got a break, he deeks, he shoots, he scores! Their first season opening win in 13 years. On the official home of your Calgary Flames. The Flames win it! Yeah, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Good morning. The Big Show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The legendary Jerry Howarth, who used to do Blue Jays baseball on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And there she goes. Jerry Howarth. You know Jerry Howarth, right? Oh, of course. Jerry Howarth always used to say uh, when he gave uh, the totals at the end of the game, we're in the afterglow of a Blue Jays win. <laughs> this morning, right before the weekend, you're Friday. Friday. You're in the afterglow of a Flames 5-3 victory over the Colorado Avalanche. Snapping that ugly home opening losing streak. That was a thing. It was only 12 years, George. I don't know what you're talking about. It was a thing, right? Yeah, it was a humongous thing that we can now put to bed. This feels very much like when like, they finally won down at the Honda Center. Just yeah, <sighs> like like the Flames stabbed it in the neck like Joe Pesci in Casino last night mm. with a pen. Like that's what they did. Yeah, that's what they to did to that losing streak. Yeah, they so, they so got it. It's not it real like good. you beat the Kraken last night. You beat the Avs last night, the defending Stanley Cup champion. That means even more that they did that. That's when I'm impressed. W's. Um, yeah, that's that's one of the biggest things here. You were able to get by the Colorado Avalanche. Yep. And no, I know they played late last night and long travel and all that type of jazz and took a while to get their feet under them. Yep. But nevertheless, you were able to beat the Colorado Avalanche and an Avalanche team that pushed in the third period. Oh, yeah. Felt like they maybe went into a little bit more of a prevent defense than I'd like to see, but in the end, got the result. And I think that throughout the course of the game, there were a lot of Things that I kind of picked up on that I would put in the pro column rather than the con column if I was doing a nice big chart. Uh, lots of like from last night's game. Mackenzie Weger, wow. Uh, he was a force out there, uh, not only chipping in on the score sheet, but also just a physical beast out there last night. And that's something that I don't think was really talked too much about in the preseason. Uh, it might have because the, the team is so dissected on this radio station. But I loved his physical play last night, too, especially that big hit he had uh, in the third period, I believe. He was just unbelievable last night. And you're right. When when the Flames went up 5-1 on the power play, I think they kind of put it in cruise control. But credit the Avalanche for really battling back there because Colorado dominated that third period, really got their skating legs mm-hmm. going. I didn't think uh, Colorado had their skating legs, but a lot of that was because Calgary was relentless last night, especially on the forecheck. And my God, Dylan Dubé is fast. That guy's speed was just game-changing last night. I thought Huberto was incredible last night. Uh, he was popping every time he touched the puck. Um, the Lindholm Huberto to Foley line was good. Can I tell you about a bad beat? Yeah, hit me. So uh, put a lot of cheddar down on Tyler to Foley over two and a half shots on goal prop. Mm. Literally has the first shot on goal in the game. Yep. Then gets that lucky one off his skate on the power play. And then he's on for the empty netter. 
and he's out of gas. And I'm like, he's got the puck. He's going <laughs> to shoot it. No, he decides to flip it. And I'm like, oh, ah, hurry. It was like curling. Hurry hard. Hurry hard. Hurry hard. Hurry. Hurry hard. Get into that net. No, Tyler Toffoli stays under two and a half uh, shots. But that's okay because he was good on that top line. I thought the top two lines were excellent last night for the Calgary Flames. The power play looked really good. And that was something that was been a talking point during this preseason was What's the power gonna play gonna look like? You don't have that that long standing chemistry with Johnny and, and, and Kachuk out there. Oh, oh, this is gonna be different. I thought the power play was fantastic last night. And Rasmus Anderson, man, what a breakaway goal he <laughs> scored too. And then did you see how he pointed at Backlund in the penalty box, telling him get ready for a breakaway? And he was smiling and pointing at him. Uh, they really they really showed that on the broadcast last night. And that's like a defenseman making a move like that. It's just extra sweet. It's not like he just came in and tried to snap her and beat him. Oh, no, I'm going to DQ five hole because I'm a defenseman, and I'll show you some of my sick mitts. Rasmus Anderson was a force last night, and it just goes to show how well he was playing the amount of time Daryl had him on the ice. He's going to play a lot this year. Uh, him and Hannafin, it, you know, if they continue to go with the Uyghur Tanev pairing, which I would assume that they do, those two are going to see a lot of ice time. Now, granted, Nikita Zadorov was on the ice a lot yesterday, and I thought he had a, a pretty solid first game of the season as well. Listen, you laid out a bunch of great points. I thought Mackenzie Weger was very good. Um, one of the things that impressed me was how aggressive he plays, and it was shown in the physicality. He lays that big hit on Ranton when they're on the kill in the third that you mentioned. It leads to a clear. That was a, a big moment in the third period, and knocking over Ranton is no easy task either. I thought he was really good in that sense. Um, I didn't love the pinch that he made on the Nathan McKinnon goal that led directly to McKinnon going mm -hmm. full bore down the right boards and going one-on-one -on -one with Jacob Markstrom right after you go up 5-2. I didn't love that decision, and that was something Daryl Sutter talked about in the post game, like, a guy that when the puck was on his stick, dynamite, outstanding. But without it, maybe a couple of things that he has to get used to in that flame system as well. Because that was just a situation where I love the aggressive mindset, but you just went up 5-2 against the defending champs in the third. You don't need to pinch on that type of play. Mm -hmm. Apart from that, I thought he was outstanding, moving the puck, skating well, hitting guys, being physical, all that type of stuff too. And he was good on the kill. So I thought Uyghur was really strong. Dubé was good. There was that one instance where he tried to catch Nathan McKinnon with a, a body check on the back check and kind of ran into a brick wall, but still looks faster, looks stronger. Oh, he was he the was, shot mentality on that two on one is exactly what you want to see from him because he has a great shot off the rush. So a lot to like. Uh, I thought even on the PK, uh, Dubé and Manjapani. Uh, were a force. They, they they were dangerous on the PK there. And I know it's the Avalanche, the vaunted Colorado Avalanche power play. I understand all of that. But when those two guys on, they created some chances shorthanded. They they were excellent last night as well. Um, That's one were, of the tandems that carries over from last year. Right. Because the other ones are, you know, Backlund and Lindholm. Um, that carries over from last year as well. But Manjapani and Dubé was a tandem for almost all, all, the entirety of last season, even though they didn't really play on a line together for a lot of the year. So mm -hmm. it was good to see them right back at it and skating up and down the ice. Uh, you were in the building last night, and I think uh, you have to credit the Flames. The, the Boehm-Byron goal, I don't even know. I still don't know how that went in. Uh, it was kind of ugly, and, and 
Rasmus Anderson kind of let him go a little bit, but it kind of trickled past Markstrom. And then instead of, uh, you know, the, the burden of that enormous long home losing streak and playing the defending Stanley Cup champions at home, uh, a lot of the juice came out of the building right away when the Avs went up one nothing. And then you look, Calgary just took over. They, they just started dominating play. Uh, the biggest, most glaring stat in the first period was at one point, uh, Calgary had a 29 to five shot attempts advantage with four minutes to go in the first. Yeah, it was like, that was, that's domination. That's and, not even like the, they were skating the avalanche out of the barn last night. And as good a, as after that goal, as good as the flames were, Pavel Francouz was the best player in the game in the first period. He made probably four or five unbelievable stops. There was the one on to Foley right out of the right out of the oh, power I know. play opportunity. He under two and a half shots. Yeah, man. Like there was a there was a handful of them early on where that uh that right glove too, weird right handed glove. Yeah. But he was really good. Um until the Flames obviously were able to kind of crack the crack the wall there. Uh I, I did you mentioned Zadorov. Uh, I did like his physical play last night and he was really getting into the face of the avalanche and that's the one talking point i know all the guys in the station have been really hammering home it's just the the depth of this flames blue line and when you have a guy like zadorov on your third pair who was a difference maker last night like i know they don't have that true number one stud but maybe rasmus anderson turns into that guy this season especially if he takes another jump but when you have a guy like zadorov who was a first round pick of the sabers Mm -hmm. like he was highly touted coming, you know, into the NHL. And last night, I thought he was, I thought he was really good last night. And it just goes to show with the amount of ice time he got playing as in that bottom pair. Yeah, he got a lot. He ended up with sixteen thirty-two after the first period. He was like fourth highest ice time on the entire Flames roster. And I thought one of the key things for me was he skated three forty-four shorthanded, which amongst mm. all players was second. And last season, he didn't really kill penalties. It was Goodbranson and Tanev as the top pair, and it was Hannafin and Anderson as the second pair. And if he's a guy that can kind of take that Eric Goodbranson role on the PK and really soften that blow, because you know that it's not really going to be a role that Michael Stone holds as like a number one PK guy or Oliver Shillington when he returns or any of the other guys we've talked about being that, that sixth or seventh defenseman. Yeah. If Zadorov can be one of the go-to penalty killers for this team, that would be a huge step forward for them. And listen, he came back. He signed for a few years here for um, a pretty good dollar number, I would say, especially if he becomes a guy that can contribute on special teams. Because last year, didn't ever play power play, rarely played penalty kill. He was the fifth guy, right? If one of the main PK guys was in the box, then it was him. But for the most part, he didn't do it. So if he can add that to his game... That's great. Plus, he had a couple of those rushes where it's something about, I don't know if it's his stride or his reach, but he usually gets to the first line of pressure at the red line or or at the opposing blue line and makes one move wide and walks around, guys. I think it's the reach, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. Sometimes he just surprises people with that and looks pretty dangerous off the rush from time to time as well. Well, even Daryl Sutter always talks about how uh, strength up the middle, right? And now when you look at even last night, the Avalanche had some difficulties with Lindholm, Kadri, and Backlund mm-hmm. down the middle last night. And when the Flames can throw three centers like that, rolling them constantly, like that's just such an advantage for this team. And I thought Kadri was great. I thought he did a great job of drawing a penalty, going to the net. 
dishing that to Manjapani, getting it back, skating harder than that. I thought he was great both ends of the ice last night. And even at the night where he got his Stanley Cup ring and he got super excited. Did you see the box the Stanley yeah. Cup ring was in? And it had yeah. like the highlight of them like winning the, the video cup. And then you press it. the little audio button. You can actually hear it. Hear like the call. we're getting to a point now where even the boxes for the Stanley Cup rings are absolutely absurd. But you saw Kadri smiling and laughing up with his teammates. And then he flipped the switch and was Nazem Kadri last night, making a difference at both ends of the ice. I thought he was great. I thought he was dynamic. I think one of the most impressive things for me with Kadri, not not maybe the most impressive, but one of the things that um, for me has maybe been underrated in his game is just how good he is in small spaces as far as handling the puck. Like There was a couple instances in board battles where... There's guys scrumming for four or five seconds, and he rolls up as a third man in, takes two looks, sticks in, sticks out, pucks out with him, and he's gone. See ya. And just to kind of have that awareness, um, being able to just handle it so well in tight and be able to move around guys against the boards, I think that's a, a, an underrated part of his game that really impressed me yesterday. Then the vision is good. Like the pass he tries to make to Huberto on the power play that leads to the Lindholm goal is a great play. And to see them zipping it around on the power play like that, especially knowing that he's not playing with any of those guys really, except yeah. for Brasmus Anderson from time to time as his D partner. That was impressive to me. So um, yeah, full marks for Nazem Kadri in his first game as well. And and when you look down the middle, like we were kind of talking off the air, like I didn't really notice the Michael Backlund line a ton. But I think that that's kind of going to be their M.O. this season. They're not necessarily going to be looked for for a ton of offense. When they're scoring, this is going to be a very good team. And for me, that'll probably come in spurts. It's kind of the way that Michael Backlund regular seasons tend to go. But when you can go with Lindholm and Kadri and Backlund down the middle, that'll work. That'll work. It'll take a lot of pressure off Elias Lindholm, which will help this team out when they get to the postseason. Um, I, I know the, the power play uh, was something that was talked about during the preseason, how it struggled. But uh, you would obviously know a lot better than me because that was one of the concerns heading into the season with obviously you know, Goudreau and Kachuk here. Well, what is it going to look like? I thought Huberto last night was just distributing that puck and just moving that thing around. And he was so special like with what he would... His passes, his vision, uh, getting guys open. I thought he was just great on that kind of half wall on left side of the power play. I thought he was fantastic last night. It's crazy because, you know, with Johnny Gaudreau being here formerly, you think that you wouldn't be taken aback by some of the creative playmaking that we saw from Jonathan Huberdeau, but there was like five or six instances in the first period alone where he went, hmm. How did that get out of that traffic? Like that, there was no lane there. How did he mm -hmm. put that pass in that space? And he has just such good awareness. It's either tape to tape. And I, I was kind of comparing like a Nathan McKinnon pass and a Jonathan Huberto pass yesterday. Like when McKinnon passes you the puck, that thing comes at you with heat. Like you better be ready, or it could break your twig. Whereas Huberto's passes, like they're quick, but they almost look like soft and gentle the way they kind of mm -hmm. go over the ice compared to a McKinnon pass. And it looked like it was beneficial to a lot of the players out there yesterday. He was dynamic. Um, just the vision to put a puck in a space rather than always having to go tape to tape. He did that many yeah. times, especially in the power play. And I thought one of the places he did it really well is when they were trying to get their entries going. 
try and get that first man to pressure Jonathan Huberdeau, make some move, puts a puck into an open space, allow Lindholm to get it with speed. Now you've got a four on three against three guys who are hopefully flat footed on the blue line, easy entry, and you can get your power play set up. Like that's the one thing that I'm wondering about with Johnny Gaudreau leaving is the entries once that first clear happens on the power play. Because that's where Johnny was arguably the best in the league. If he got the puck with, you know, half speed to full speed at his own blue line, it was almost always a guaranteed entry. There was very little opposing teams could do. That's not Jonathan Huberto's game. He's more of a bumper guy on the entry type of thing. So that's going to be kind of the intriguing part of the power play. The first unit, especially for me, as they try and adapt to not having Gaudreau and not having Kachuk. Still having a very good collection of players, mm-hmm. but as we talked about all season, a little bit of a different skill set. I thought I thought Markstrom, uh, even though he led in three goals, the Boehm Byron was kind of a fluky goal, and you can't really fault him on a Nathan McKinnon breakaway because it's one of the best players on the planet, and McKinnon did a great job of opening his blade before he beat him. But right the, under the bar. save he made on McCarr, when it was 5-3, when McCarr came in from the blue line and was wide open, and he got his shoulder out and stopped that thing from going top corner, that was such an enormous save because if Colorado scores there with like four minutes to play, watch out. Uh, then all of a sudden, uh, big-time nerves start happening for the Flames. But I thought that save on McCarr that he made was such such an important key save because he just looked sharper as the game went along because, honestly, he wasn't that busy, really, for the first two periods. Well, and that comes right out of the second commercial break in the third period. So the Avalanche have that timeout. They've just scored two goals to get themselves back in. You're wondering if the Flames are going to be able to muster a little bit of a push here. Instead, the Avalanche come out. They start laying it on thick again. And if McCarr scores there, oh boy, boy, is it. It's clenching time. That's no good because at that point already, you've pretty much collapsed into a prevent defense anytime the McKinnon line is on the ice. I didn't think that the other units for the Avs, like their top six was very good, but their bottom six was relatively uninspiring, I would say. Yeah. And when I say their top six, I mean their top line in Val Nichushkin. Newhook had some moments, but I couldn't really tell you who played on the other side of that second line for them. They were good. That save was huge. Another one that was big was the McKinnon one-timer with about a minute and a half left that he absolutely wires from the top of the circle when they're on that late power play, and uh, Markstrom gets the glove on it right after the icing. So they were able to get the change, too, with about a minute and a half left after the top line had gotten stuck out there for a couple of icings. I know um, Derek was talking about it post-game because he was talking to our, to our man, Connor McGahee, um, how late they got into Calgary. Oh. Yeah, he goes, uh, he didn't get to bed uh, after the big celebration. Everyone was still jacked up, raising the Stanley Cup banner. Probably didn't get to sleep till like 5, 5.30. And yet, Jared Bednar last night, uh, shortening his bench. Like, it was just, it felt like the McKinnon line was on the entire time. And he... He coached that game last night like it was it was a playoff game. Like, he really shortened the bench on a back end of a back-to-back to kick off the season uh, after they got in super late and celebrating their banner raising. I, I thought that was kind of surprising how short the bench was for the Avalanche late. The one thing that I thought is, okay, maybe Jared Bednar, after those two quick goals to start the third, feels like there's blood in the water here. And if I can ride my guys and we get this come-from-behind win against another 
projected top team after we got in at 5 a.m., what can, how can I sell that to my team right. if we do end up getting this win? Obviously, it's game two of the season. It's not the most important game of the year, but at that point, you can just have that as such a nice foundation builder, a jumping off point that maybe Bednar's going and saying, hey, if I can get this thing done, yeah. that's awesome. And it's game two. I'm going to ride my horses. Or maybe it's just straight up. He thought the bottom guys weren't good enough because, like I mentioned, didn't really notice a lot of the bottom six for Colorado in that game yesterday. Like the McKinnon line was an absolute handful as the game went on, and they played well over 20 minutes, him, Lekkonen, and Rantanen. But you can't ride that horse all season long. Like to me, and I know, and it's game two of the season. They got in 5 a.m. yesterday, all that jazz, you know. But they look more top-heavy than they were last year. Yeah, and uh, watching them last night, you could tell how much they were missing Nazem Kadri on that team. Yeah, like Newhook's good and he's got good speed, but they they're yeah, just but he still has a he still he, has a he still has a, a ton of growing up to do he, he's in the a, NHL. Yeah. He's a great third line center. Right. Right? Like he was last year. And you talk about the depth and, and after that, then you're going to Comfer, who's always been, you know, a a good player, but not a great player type of guy. So you know, we talk about the Flames' depth, and you compare it to the to the Avalanche, and it's it's a landslide. One team has the best player out of the six, and it's a no questions asked type of situation. Yeah, but if you compare the two groups, you got to give the edge to the Flames. Well, yeah, yeah depth wise, like the two best players are on the Avalanche, and Makar, I think, is arguably yeah right behind McDavid as the best player in the league. Sure, like you can have that argument because what he does, he's so dynamic. Out there, he's such an incredible player. Two but, penalties yesterday. Yeah, I, yeah, he did, and that just needless high stick onto Foley when he kind scored of that goal. Yeah, like it, it kind of was like very careless with his stick after Toffoli uh, banked that one off the skate, and it went in the net. I really liked that fourth line shift uh, when the Flames <laughs> scored. Uh, Lucic with that really nice setup, and they were they were okay last night. Lucic tried to impose his physicality. Like again, that's what you want from your fourth line. Like they're they're just. Made a couple nice plays, scored a big goal. Perfect fourth line contribution last night from that line. He was trying his absolute best to catch up to Makar a couple of instances. Like he was trying to get the angle. He, he, he struggles a little bit out there. And Kale just would see him turn on the afterburners and it was see you later. But yeah, listen, the foot speed isn't there. Um, he's a smart enough player that he'll still just absolutely clobber guys because he catches them, he angles them, and then all of a sudden it's the boards and it's Milan Lucic and you're SOL. So he was good. Brett Ritchie getting that goal. Man, the guy had enough time to brew a coffee, read the paper, mm. do his morning business, and then still bury. Read the paper? I don't know, man. It's Yeah, for, for the sake of it being a very long, time-consuming <laughs> right, okay. ex- exercise... Yes, they do okay. read the paper. It's probably on a tablet at this point, but sure. but you know what I mean. Yeah. He had a lot of time. That's my point here. They were good. They did what they needed to do. They went out there. They tried to lay the body on the defenseman a few times. Curtis McDermott tried to go after Nikita Zadorov at one point. Zadorov waved them off and kind of looked like one of those situations where it's like, hey, if you want a tango, go find 17. He'll do 
go right ahead, but yeah. I don't think we're going to see a lot of Zadorov fighting this year either because he's looking to have a little bit more of a role too. Yeah, I thought he was great last night. Uh, we got a busy, busy, busy show. Um, at the bottom of the hour, of course, uh, the Rose Report at the top of the next hour, uh, we'll dive into that the, that football game. It was a football game, all right. Uh, Ross Tucker, NFL Insider, CBS Sports, host of the Ross Tucker Podcast at 7 o'clock. I think we'll give away some Blink 182 tickets at 7.30 today. We're going to mix it up a little bit. Oh, a little early. Yeah, we got to do that because our 8 o'clock hour is jammed. Uh, Bob Stoffer, uh, Oilers radio analyst on 6.30, Chad, will join us. Tommy Wielden, Cavalry FC manager at 8.15. Tommy, and, the playoffs are here. The playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, Dragon's Breath um, today. Pat Steinberg was supposed to join us, but he has an appointment. But he, he still wants to do it. Okay. So uh, we're going to have Ryan Pike, managing editor of Flames Nation, on. The other thing, too, is like we should try and get Patty on a day where the Flames don't play Thursday because he has to stay there late doing the overtime and whatnot. Like okay. He probably only went to bed like four or five hours ago. That, that, that's a great point. So, But I do want to get Pat Steimer again for that. But oh, we yeah. got, we're, we're super excited. We got Ryan Pike. Do you, are you going to have to be on the side of defending the take? Or do you think Ryan will maybe take the challenge of trying to agree with our dragon? I I can agree with the dragon. I thought I really enjoyed it and was really in my element last week. Okay. Uh, I could go either way. Okay. I saw Ryan I, yesterday. We had a very nice chat, but did, we didn't talk about Dragon's Breath. Oh, no, you did? Okay. So um, I'm. Uh, we'll ask him on the air what side he wants. Because, um, again, Dragon's Breath, uh, we'll, we'll do this for the second time. Flames take so hot. That only a dragon can spit out. So we'll do that to wrap up the show. Uh, but first, don't forget, uh, Lotto Max has $130 million in prizes up for grabs tonight with a jackpot of an estimated $70 million and an estimated 60 max millions. That's over 130 million reasons to get ready to maximize your dreams. Dream to the max with Lotto Max and Friday's estimated combined prizes of over $130 million. Must be of legal age. The Rose Report straight ahead. The streak's over. Flames win 5-3 to kick off their season. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960. The fan. You're listening to the big show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames. Sportsnet 960. The fan. Russick and Rose, the big show. Sportsnet 960, the fan. The top of the hour. Ross Tucker, NFL insider, CBS Sports host of the Ross Tucker podcast. Oh, boy, that game last night. It was a game. I told you, unwatchable. No, 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 no. The NFL is just too sexy for me not to keep my eyes off it. Mm. Like, I have to. Yeah. It's too damn sexy. I got to look at it. Three nothing through two and a half quarters. I got to look at it. Mm. I saw a tweet at one point last night that uh, the last time there was a touchdown scored on Thursday night football, the Mets were still in first place in the <laughs> National League East. I thought that was great. Gross. Yeah. Gross. Isn't that awesome? I hate it here. That's awesome. Gosh. That was awesome. Um, oh, we're going to give some uh, Blink 182 tickets away at 730. You feeling this? Yeah, I'm feeling it because I also like to get... Uh, some phone calls in and the only way you can win blink 182 tickets if you call in and uh, here's the topic plus we wanted to open it up 
on the text line 960-960, name and location, please. Which new flame impressed you the most last night and why? 960-960 on the text line. Give us your name and location. Which new flame impressed you the most and why? We'll take some callers. uh, And somebody who tells us which flame impressed them the most will win Blink-182 tickets. I think that's a pretty good deal. You take them to the rock show. That'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. And in that segment, too. What? One more. I'm going to I'm going to take you back a little bit too. Oh, we're going to go down uh Memory Lane. Trip down Memory Lane. Yeah, wow. we absolutely will. But Wonderful. first, we got to do some uh Rose Report action. And the Rose Report is brought to you by Motorworks, exceeding all expectations, BMW repairs and service and a state-of-the-art facility where they'll meet and beat all competitors quotes on 51st Ave and 3rd Street Southeast. Marty Rose. Matt Rose. Matt Rose. Well, it was the... I think we need a couple what? more Matt Roses in there. We need a few more? Yeah. Because three doesn't feel like the right number. I think five feels like the right number. Okay. Anyway, yeah. just just spitballing. I'm an ideas man. I think I need a whiteboard in here. We need more people saying, yeah. to say my name. Because I don't want it to just be me saying my name say over my and over. I'm not going to do it. Not today, Satan. <laughs> well, it was the flame season opener. Hey. Shoots and scores. A former Flames first goal with a new team. Maybe not the guy you expected there, but trust me, it'll be fine. A terrible football game, a playoff game in baseball, and a bunch of local stuff to fill your weekend with. So, uh, George, let's dive in. Oh, that, that's not bad. We'll I be- like that. I enjoyed that. Yeah, as long as Brody's, as long as Brody's happy, then we're all happy, right? We'll begin yeah. with the Calgary Flames. Flames coached four good teams. The Flames took on the Colorado Avalanche so last like night. It. First game for the Stamp uh, for the Flames. The Stamps. They played tonight against Hamilton. Good job, George. I did know that. I did know that. Good job. But yeah. the Avalanche were playing their second game. They opened it up on Wednesday at home in Denver. The Flames a better team to start the game, but not the first team to score the goal. Slides it right back to Byron. He'll weave his way into the flame zone, but he has it knocked off a stick by Anderson. Now pokes it to the net and scores. Bowen Byram drives the flames net and somehow puts the puck right through Jacob Markstrom. A weird one. Kind of muscles Anderson there, who looked like he was kind of leaving the puck for Markstrom, but Byram gets a last stick on it, and somehow it sneaks through Markstrom's pads. Really sucks some life out of the dome with that one coming early, just a minute and 39 seconds in. The team skating four on four with some minors to Dylan Dubé and Josh Manson off the bat, but the Flames kept pressing. Pavel Francouz made four or five tough stops before eventually an unlikely Flame found himself wide open and able to do some damage. Lucic in front, Richie shoots and scores! Milan Lucic finds Brett Richie, who one times the puck past Pavel Francouz. Big Rich! Brett Ritchie opening the goal scoring for the Calgary Flames. Milan Lucic with the nice pass. Ooh, it was beauty. And you know, George, we've said it here in Calgary for, for years. You give Brett Ritchie that much time in front of the net, and he's going to find a way to put the puck yeah, in the like back a, of the net. Like we've, a lot of time. We've said that for decades. Yeah, he, uh, he was left all alone. And you're right. I, I think the pass by Lucic was so beautiful. And again, that fourth line they was, were great. was very serviceable last night was very good, opposed to what we saw from the Avalanche bottom six, which was 
Average very ghosty. Yeah. Very ghosty last night. Meh. Flames had a couple power plays after that. First unit looking good on the first try. The rest was okay. Not great, but not awful for the first game of the season. After the first tied at one, Flames led 15-3 to on the shot clock. Mm. Guess who led the Flames in ice time in the first period? Uh, Rasmus Anderson? Nope. Nikita Zadorov? Nope. Mackenzie nope. Weaker? Jonathan Huberto? Nope. Nazem Kadri? Michael Backlund, 658. Oh, damn it. And did yeah. it quietly. Yeah, he did. Just basically in Nate McKinnon's hip pocket there in the first period and really worked out well for him. In the second, the Flames were off to the kill early. Noah Hannafin dinged for holding. But this pairing of Manjapani and Dubé on the kill looking very dangerous. And Manjapani will knock it out to the neutral zone. And the Flames have a 2-1-1. Dubé in, shoots, and scores! Despite getting interfered with by the linesman, Dylan Dubé strolls it up the left wing side and rockets a puck right past Pavel Francouz. Newhook was kind of, he had a case there for maybe a tripping penalty because he was kind of... Him and Manjapani kind of got tangled up. But but Dubé's speed was just unreal last night. He was a difference maker. And him and Manjapani were just, they were dangerous all night on the PK. He's a guy who likes to shoot off the rush too, but to see him bury one in that style early in the game, that was ideal for Dubé. Ups to fire the puck rather than pass on the two-on-one. He's got his first goal of the season. The Kadri line continued to impress as well. I quite like Zadorov. He had a big hit on Andrew Cogliano in the second period as well. Eventually, the Flames would end up shorthanded again. Another strong kill that ended up paying dividends. It's a high slot, but it's blocked by Weger, who finds Anderson coming out of the box. He's got a break. He deeks. He shoots. He scores! A gorgeous goal by Rasmus Anderson. Not a bad move by the defenseman. Little forehand, backhand, five-hole, no problem. And I love how he pointed immediately to Backlund in the penalty box for the communication. Give him a heads up, like, hey, yeah. keep your head up when you get out of here. And, and he had a giant smile on his face as he was skating to the bench. And I don't know if it's his celebration now, but he's started to do it when he scores. Just face first into the boards. I love that. Okay. Get the crowd involved. Eric Johnson would take a late penalty in the second. Carried over to the third. Flames wasted little time with this opportunity. It's a high slot, Lindholm. Anderson to Kadri with a shot. They score! Nazem Kadri took the shot, and Tyler Toffoli tipped the puck past Pavel Francouz. And on the play, Kale McCarr gets a stick up, catches Toffoli right in the mush. Right back to the power play they go, and right back to the back of the net. The puck went. Kadri spins in and centers. Huberto on the doorstep. Stick handling. Centers. Lindholm scores! On a beautiful pass from Jonathan Huberto, Elias Lindholm rifles the puck into a half-open avalanche net. A nice pass by Kadri. Just gets deflected, but Huberto regathers it. Most players would just... Boom, smash that into the pads or right into the goalie's tummy. Waits, waits, yeah. no look past to Lindholm, wide open cage, 5-1 game. Yeah, I-, I thought he was just so calm, so poised on the power play last night from that left side. And, and I like the chemistry between him and Anderson. And that's something, especially that that penultimate preseason game against the Jets, 
Uh, that was a big talking point. It's like, oh, the, the power. And this is how people sound. Oh, the power play doesn't look good. Know. They're going to really be missing Johnny and Chucky this season. That power play ain't any good. It was damn good last night against the Avalanche. Looked great. Uh, that patience. Just chef's kiss. Delightful. But the problem was the defending cup champs rarely go quietly into the night, specifically their top guys. Felt like anytime it was McKinnon, Rantanen, the Lekkinen line, trouble was a Bruin. And right after the Flames scored their fifth unanswered goal, while trouble came to fruition. Here comes McKinnon breaking in. McKinnon shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon gets behind all the Flames, walks in all alone and snaps the puck past Jacob Markstrom and stops the bleeding. An over-aggressive pinch leaves a wide open corridor down the right-hand boards. McKinnon Yes. Picks up speed like a majestic horse and... Like a steed? Ugh, like a stallion. My goodness. And <laughs> is then, a steed a horse? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like a steed is like more of like a like a workhorse. Okay. Like, not like a fancy horse. Like, okay, so then where does Clydesdale get into all of this? That's got to be some sort of a stallion. I don't know. Uh, Somebody's that, like yelling at the radio. Know your horses, you <laughs> idiots! And I guarantee that they are yelling at the radio because we love our farmers, but... yeah. I don't know what you guys do. No, me neither. I appreciate it, but I, I do. Don't, I don't know. It's, Anyways. It's necessary hard work. Um, Avalanche scored again. Nachushkin to Ratnan, to Nachushkin, he scores! A beautiful passing play finished by Valerie Nachushkin. That one a power play goal shortly after the other one as well. Before the midway point of the third, this was a 5-3 game. Jacob Markstrom are really good as the Flames kind of settled into a prevent defense. Made a really strong stop on Kale McCarr right after that goal. That was a game changer. Made a big stop on Nathan McKinnon without about a minute and a half in the net empty, which would have been one that you don't love to see. But hey, in the end, get the victory. 5-3. to three. Markstrom stops. 22 of 25. Top guys all look good. They outshoot the Avalanche 27 to 25, and they break that 12 season Ooh. home opener losing streak. Now, Thank goodness. Uh, you were down at the Dome yeah. last night. Uh-huh. Um, uh, we love to hear from you if you went to the game, uh, 960, 960, name and location on the text line. Did you get your free beer too? I, I want to know. Like, did, did you get it? Was there big lineups? Did you hear anything about that? I got there around between 6 and 6.30. Didn't hear anything about it, but there were people already milling about. Okay. Um... And there was some sauce in the building. It wasn't the juiciest building I've seen, for sure. But, yeah, there was a little bit of uh, pizzazz. There was Ooh. some juice. Yeah, if you were there and you got your free beer, um, what was the lineup like? Did you get it? Was it tasty? Was it cold? 960, 960, name and location. Also, most people were in their seats for the start of the game, which was cool. With all the traffic, wasn't sure and that was going to be a thing. We heard Jonathan Huberto's sister sing the anthem. Yeah, we did. That, that was the thing. Yep. So, uh, what was what was the juice in the building like after the Avs scored to kick it off? The what, first what, one. Yeah. What was the sense in the building? Uh, it was quiet. Just took the air right out of it. Oh right? yeah. Like it was one of those. Oh oh what? This wasn't. Not again. I didn't want this. Here to we happen. go. Don't it's do this. Happen again. And the weirdest part was like it wasn't like a nice goal, but at the same time, all of a sudden you're like. Oh, but where is Johnny and and where is Kachuk and and where is all these guys? But then they they righted the ship and and they started to get some pressure. Francois made some saves and they got that first one, and then it was, boom, 
everyone was right well, back into it. And again, outchancing uh, shot attempts against the Avalanche, 29 to 5 with four minutes to go after being down one nothing. It's just a testament how the team just kept pressing and the forecheck was great. And if that isn't a blueprint, well, at least the first period was on how Daryl Sutter wants this team to play. Like those first two periods were fantastic. The third, after they go up 5-1, it's like, okay, yeah, this thing's over. And they kind of get their foot off the gas and then credit to the Avalanche to battling back. But I don't think they could have played a better two periods last night. Uh, favorite line for Daryl Sutter? Do you have a guess? Um, I like W's. I meant like what was his favorite trio, but like... But he also likes W's. Oh, he loves W's. But be great he really if, liked the Cotter. Wouldn't that be great if uh, Daryl Sutter did like the Jameis eat the W when the Flames win? Wouldn't that be great if he did that? <laughs> I That would be fantastic. Yeah, it'd be... Yeah. It's yeah, it fantasy would be great. land, but... Yeah, it'd, it'd be great. Yeah, he probably loved the backland line last night. I thought they had big effort every shift. When they were together, when they were, when they were able to get our lines in sync and order a little bit, when there wasn't penalties, I thought they were... They were Clearly our best line. Daryl Sutter on the Cadre line with mm. Dylan Dubé and Andrew Mangiapane. Daryl Sutter was also asked, what does it mean to you to get win number 700? Because that was regular season win 700 for Daryl Sutter. He becomes the 11th coach to do so. Means a lot. Means coached for good teams. You know who we passed? Off the top of my head, I don't. Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock. He's good a good man. Good, good family man. Next contest is Saturday. Woo! Up the road. The New Look Flames look to face the Oilers. 8 o'clock start. We'll have it here on Sportsnet 960. Patty and Lubo will have your pregame at 7. And that's their only road game in the first nine, right? Yeah. Which is weird. You want to talk about uh, blockbuster starts of the season. Beat the Cup champs and then beat the Oilers in Edmonton. And then play your next seven at home against a bunch of really good teams bingo that'll work let's jump into uh some of the other scores elsewhere was the new look senators taking on the sabers flames and senators uh both had plenty of off-season change but listen we can't all be winners Krebs gets it back from a post so centering they score rasmus Dahlin gives the sabers their first lead Rasmus Dahlin scored the game winner. They win 4-1. to one. The Sabres beat the Senators 4-1. to one. Dahlin also snowed Josh Norris at one point late in this game when they were up four goals. Oh, and there was this hot mic instance as well. To say to the bench as he comes by, so... Hey, you little pipsqueak, shut the f*** up! Pipsqueak? Sure, but... <laughs> yeah, pipsqueak! You little pipsqueak! When's the last time you heard pipsqueak? Hey, you little pipsqueak! What's it? No, honestly, when is the last? I don't How is that know. even a chirp? I don't know. How is Pipsqueak a chirp? How I do people even know <laughs> what Pipsqueak is? Hey, you little Pipsqueak. And then, awesome. and, and then he hits him with a little Just, bit of adult language. But well, Real quick on uh, Rasmus Dahlin. If yeah. you've ever had the pleasure of watching that guy play, man, is he smooth. I mean, like. Smooth like Skippy? I mean, like Billy D. Williams court. Colt 45 smooth. By the way, uh, did you not, Alex, did you not get your can of Colt 45? Uh, no, I didn't, but that's okay. Remember you lost, uh, it could be that, but it might be this. I know. And we I, were supposed to take a photo on I, Tuesday. I, I now totally it just jogged my memory. As I, totally I just talked about, about malt it. liquor. 
We'll I'll do it. it. I'll, I'll get it done. Hey, Don't we'll worry. get the picture. Hey, Matt, never disappoint me again. <laughs> never. <laughs> I can't promise you that. Okay, no, I yeah. can't promise you that at all. Listen, if I go in with low expectations, I'll never get hurt. That's yeah, just the way I look at it. That's a very fair point. Hey, the Leafs were also in action, taking on the Capitals. Uh, how about uh, the boy, boy? The boy, boy, Cali, though. Former Flame, Cali Yarncroke, scoring uh, a goal. His first goal is the Leaf tied the game at two in the second period as they were facing the Capitals. Game winner came in the third. Back to the point. Leafs keep the puck in at the blue line. Giordano. Got the shot away! Scores! This is a wrist shot, and Tony Esposito probably could have stopped in his sleep. <laughs> Tony Esposito. What the heck was that? That's well, Phil. That's Phil, but Espo. So I I love uh, Joe Bowen. He's a Hall of Famer. He's yeah. literally in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh huh. The last few years, Joe Bowen just doesn't really bother to learn the names of the other teams. No, he just, I, he just I know he it. doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, he just wings it. He doesn't care. It's no. fine. He knows all the Leafs names, but he just he's like, yeah, whatever. I'll figure it out. Yeah. If they're good, they're good. And if they're not, meh, who cares? Elsewhere, the Panthers and Islanders, Matthew Kachuk's debut with the new club. Good start for Kachuk. He was named the second star in a 3-1 win for Florida. Had an empty net goal. Penguins beat the Coyotes 6-2. Flyers get by the Devils 5-2. Rangers could be a wagon this year. They beat the Wild 7-3 on the road. Four more points for Artemi Panarin. Dallas over the Predators 4-1. Vegas got by the Blackhawks 1-0. And the Kraken beat LA 4-1. That's twice this year the Kraken have scored four goals, which they didn't do very often last year. Tonight, Lightning and Blue Jackets at 5. Canadians and Red Wings also go at 5. Rangers and Jets at 6. Hurricanes and Sharks will go at 8.30. Anything uh, tickling your fancy on tonight's slate, Georgie? Uh, I will will dive into it later on and probably um, sprinkle a little bit on, on the games. Rangers on the road in Winnipeg. On the back end of a back-to-back. I feel like you might be able to get some decent odds there. Some value? Maybe. We'll have to dive in. Thursday nighter in the NFL. I watched a lot of this game, too, before the Flames game. Good for you. What a test of attrition that must have been. As uh, this one, midway through the third quarter, was 3 to nothing for Washington. And then Justin Fields threw a 40-yard touchdown to Dante Pettis, which I didn't know they were allowed to do in Chicago this year, his throw over 15 yards. Yeah. That was weird. But the Commanders would kick another field goal. And then Brian Robinson, you might remember him as the rookie running back that got shot twice in preseason. In the leg. In the leg. He needs his legs to run. And is now back, second game back, after being shot in the preseason twice in the leg. Right. Scored a touchdown. Help the Commanders like, win. Like, you can't even play if you pull your hammy in slow pitch. Because you're like, I can't. I, I got get, a bit of a blister. I'm, I got to sit out tonight. I get bad blisters on my yeah. middle finger. It ruins my whole golf game. And this dude gets shot in the leg twice, and he's already played two two NFL games. Real quick on Justin Fields. I know a lot of it is the situation, and last year was a mess mm. under Matt Nagy. And Matt Eberflus is, is a good defensive mind. Some of that's on the system around Justin Fields and the lack of playmakers. And some of it's on Justin Fields a little bit as a passer. That's something to keep your eye on. And Carson Wentz, like, is he going to be in the league in two years from now? Like 2017 Carson Wentz, when everybody was talking about, wow, Ginger Jesus is going to win the MVP. He ain't coming back. He can't throw the football accurately. And if you're Terry McLaurin looking at that guy, you're like, bro, just give me the ball, please. Throw me the ball. And if you drafted Terry McLaurin in fantasy football, you must be like, for the love of God, please. 
Throw that man the ball because he's open and Carson Wentz can't find him because he ain't good. He's like literally the least accurate quarterback in the National Football League. You mean 12 for 22 for 99 yards is not a good stat line for a quarterback? No. That's something I'm going to ask Ross Tucker about. Is Carson Wentz in the league in two years from now? Ron Rivera was asked about Carson Wentz being his quarterback, and is that a Dan Snyder decision and all that jazz? And Ron was not having it. Everybody keeps wanting to say, I don't want anything to do with Carson. Well, bull****. I'm the guy that pulled out the sheets of paper, that looked at the analytics, that watched the tape in the freaking when we were in Indianapolis. Okay? And that's what pisses me off. Because the young man doesn't deserve to have that all the time. I'm sorry. Oh, all right, Riverboat. You know what that is? But he's just backtracking on uh, what's the what's the difference between you and the other teams in the division quarterback quarterback. That's what he's doing. He's showing little Carson. Hey, I got your back, dude. I got you. I'm just going to have this tirade about how great you were and all this work I did to bring you here to D.C. That's what Riverboat was doing there. Like, come on. You just watch him. He's not accurate. He's not. He's not. The Stampeders will take to the field tonight. They'll host the Ticats 745. Three regular season games left. Stamps will play the Lions in the West semifinal on November the 6th. The question is where are the Stamps and Lions, both 10 and 5. BC does hold the tiebreaker. Calgary with Hamilton this week. The Lions are getting the Bombers without Zach Caleros, who rests this week. The other game tonight, Red Blacks and Alouettes at 530. On the Diamond, the... Astros beat the Mariners. Jordan Alvarez hit another big home run. They're up 2-0 as that series shifts. We also saw the uh, Yankees and Guardians game rained out, so they're going to play today. Three games today. Guardians and Yankees go at 11:07. Braves and Phillies go at 2:37. The Yankees lead that series 1-0, by the way. Uh, the Braves and Phillies tied at 1. The Dodgers and Padres also tied at 1. They go at 6:37. And locally, just a few notes to wrap up. The Wranglers have their very first game this season on Sunday. They take on Coachella Valley at 1 o'clock at the Saddle Dome. Jacob Pelche, Dustin Wolf, all those prospects, they're going to be playing there. So make sure you check that out. They're going to play Monday as well. The jerseys are beautiful. Uh, the Hitmen are on the road this weekend. Prince Albert Saturday, Saskatoon Sunday. The Sunday game will be on our radio. And Cavalry has the first leg of semifinal playoffs. They're taking on Forge Saturday at 2 o'clock. Tommy's going to join us at 8.15. Um, I don't think that's been stated enough. It is enormous when you have your American Hockey League affiliate in the same city. It's going to be cool. Like, it is so big, so important. It's such an advantage to have that in the National Hockey League. Great job, Maddie. The Morning Report brought to you by MotorWorks, exceeding all expectations. BMW repairs and service in a state-of-the-art facility where they'll meet and beat all competitors. Quotes on 51st Ave and 3rd Street. Southeast Ross Tucker, NFL insider, CBS sports and the host of the Ross Tucker podcast. And at seven 30, your chance to win blink one ND two tickets. You got to call in, um, which new flame impressed you the most last night and why hit us up on the text line, nine 69 name and location. And if you were at the game last night, did you get your free beer? Did, did you get it? Did you wait in line? How long did you have to wait? We'd love to hear from you. And I'll, and I'll take us back a little bit. At 7.30. Oh, I'll, I'll stroll spin back down memory clock. lane. Yeah, just, just spin it back. It's all straight ahead. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960. The fan.